Now, Christianity has its 13th apostle, a faithful witness to the love, mercy, and truth of Jesus Christ. How about you? Will you be the 13th apostle? If we can't prove the existence of God, does it make sense to bet that he actually exists? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the 13th Apostle. We explore the good, the beautiful, and the true of the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. This is Tom Caffrey with my co-host, Dan Duddy. How are you, Dan? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? All right. How are you doing there, brother? I'm doing quite well. I'm on the phone with you. Oh. Radio, man. Doesn't get any better. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, uh, you, well, first of all, before we jump right into it, this is, you had recommended the topic for this episode and raised my eyebrows, but it's not the first time you've raised my eyebrows, uh, but this is in a little different context. Um, so, uh, anything new you want to, uh, Imagine well, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that it raised your eyebrows that I recommended that we talk about Blaze Pascal, my friend Blaze, <laughs> my new friend. But I understand. I get it. You know, I'm from the dirt. I got my master's in the dirt. You got your master's in theology. And you know something? When I when I sent you the text, say let's take a look at Blaise Pascal, the uh, you know Pascal's wager among other things. I knew it I, in my head. I'm like I'm chopping while I'm sending it to you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you came clean with it before we got on the air. I said, wow, Dan, you threw me a curveball. What do you think? I said, let's put on the mic. So, you know, it's just, uh, I, I honestly do want to get into more deeper topics for myself, kind of crawl out of the affective domain, but not too much, because that's where faith truly lives. But, you know, to get a little more cognitive, it's inspiring, because I get to know more deeply the psyche, the uh, the mind, the soul of these intellectuals, which you know he's celebrated for it, is is uh, unbelievable inventions in, in math. You know, philosopher, physicist, uh, and a theologian on, on top. So, but I was at a retreat last weekend in Idaho. I was helping facilitate one for the King's Men out there, and our priest chaplain uh, was married. He lost his wife about eight years ago. And shortly after losing his wife, he went into the seminary. And he's been a, a priest now for about four years, an ordained priest. And he's, uh, he's an ex-Marine officer, never an ex-Marine, as they, those Marines say. And he's, just, he, he's a man's man. He's just a great guy, great guy for the church. And he started to talk a bit about Blaise Pascal and his homilies and so forth. And I just felt intrigued by that because, you know, I see him as a guy from the dirt, Tom. and then. To have been, you know, touched by Blaise Pascal's philosophy, it, it intrigued me to jump in a little bit more. One of the things he had mentioned about Blaise Pascal, and I, I couldn't find much on it in my research heading for today, was that we are measured by the difference between what our will has accomplished on earth in comparison to what God's will is calling us to accomplish. So, like, right now, as I'm saying that, I've got my right hand right about chin high palms down facing the ground and i've got my god's will's hand you know way up there you know and we need to close that gap if we're going to call ourselves men for christ 
as much as we possibly can before we're judged at the end of this finite life so that we reach the infinite. Now, with that being said, and I don't want to talk too much because I want to turn it over to you, Pascal's wager has an awful lot to do with the finite versus the infinite. And, you know, uh, you, you opened up our show saying such. But there are so many, and you know how I'm intrigued with paradox. I know it's a word I like to use, but I find paradox to be very, very entertaining and stimulating, and it inspires thought. And they're, they're like tickles, you know, to me. And he's loaded with paradox. And his, in his pessimism, uh, we, we'd only have, you know, a little while to talk about these things. It's in his, he's known as a pessimist, but it's in his pessimist ways that we find light. And uh, that's pretty much what the wager does for us as well. And I'm just looking for a line here that really hit me. And I'm, I've got my notes, but I'll come back to it a little bit later. I don't want to bore you. No, but, come um, on. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, yeah. So uh, just trying to find it. Gosh, I'm you know, he says God is or God is not. Reason cannot decide between the two alternatives. You know, that a game is being played where heads or tails are going to turn up in the end. And he, he says you must wager. It is not optional. So, and, and then he goes on to say, and this comes from his book, Tom, how do you say it? It's got a, it's got a French uh, pensees, P-E-N-S-E-E-S. I know, I know that you know what that is. The book that he has written where a, a lot of this information was extracted from. And he goes on to say, let us weigh the gain and the loss in wagering that God is, but let us estimate these two chances. If you gain, you gain all. If you lose, you lose nothing. And then he goes on to say, wager then without hesitation that he is. There is here an infinity of an, an, an infinitely happy life to gain, a chance to gain against a finite number of chances or loss and goes on but he then he then he says but some cannot believe they should then at least learn that they have the ability to believe or at least recognize that they have the inability to believe and then we need to endeavor them to convince themselves that they can believe so i was inspired by the evangelization that he has at the tail end of his wager which i didn't see until a little bit before the microphone came on because I was going to criticize him for that. But it's awfully it's awfully simplistic when it's when it is broken down. Uh, and but the one big thing and it's huge, maybe jump with the gun here, is but he, he doesn't go to Christ. And you know, this is sixteen hundreds. Christ is not mentioned in his theological views. But you know what Jansenism is, Tom? Mm-hmm. And you know it well because we did a show on it probably three years ago, and he was a Jansenist, correct? Did you find that in your in your studies of Pascal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But very simply, and I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Is that Pascal's wager? Let's look at two things: if God does not exist, or if God exists. So when we wager that God exists, and we find that God does not exist, then we lose nothing. But if we find out God exists, then we gain everything but if we wager that god does not exist and we find that god does not exist we lose nothing but if god exists then we lose everything so his wager is that we need to believe and believe that god exists yeah i 
uh, it's, it's very interesting. Let's go back up a little bit and let's just give our audience a little bit of uh, information about uh, Pascal. He's very interesting. He, uh, like, well, he was, from a very young age, he was of ill health. I mean, in his, what can you say, toddlerhood, uh, it started. I mean, it got, and it just, he just, uh, this was a constant problem uh, for him and it influenced his thinking. He was, I mean, when he was, uh, I mean, infections, uh, severe pain in his, uh, he could only take, for a period of time in his 20s, he could only take liquids. Um, he had two sisters and um, they uh, they cared for him because his mother had died uh, when he was young. His uh, father, interesting enough, knowing the way Pascal turned out, his uh, father was a uh, eminent mathematician, mm-hmm. but it was you know you mentioned his Jansenism, you know that's really the, it's kind of like a little bit like a, a the Gnosticism the GNO Gnosticism uh, that it's disparaging of the body and that things the only thing that really matter are uh, are the spirit spiritual and you, it's also interesting that you you mentioned very perceptive that he didn't. Uh, mentioned Christ, and yet the Gnostics were big uh, shortly, well, for a while anyway, they, there was a heresy, but uh, after, shortly after Christ died. And uh, so with his failing body, so to speak, it's not, it's kind of like not surprising of his uh, emphasis on, on Jansenism, uh, couldn't rely on his body. So he relies on his uh, his mind and I think maybe to to a certain to a certain extent a spirit, but I didn't get the impression uh, that he was. I've never whatever readings I've done of him, not a lot of spirituality came forth from it. But it, uh, but I'm not saying there was none. Uh, I just it was mainly rationally. He had such a rational mind, and yet he put aside. Uh, he, he didn't want to. He decided not to become a mathematician like his father. Uh, plus, he was influenced by another great um, man, great mind of uh, of that era, uh, Rene Descartes, and uh, spelled D-E-S-C-A-R-T-E-S. And Descartes was one of his claims to fame is the Cartesian split of mind and body, and so they were kind of feeding off each other. And uh, um, Pascal was was. Uh, influenced uh, uh, by him, so the whole idea of uh, you know, what's what's important, what's relevant, what can we know? Uh, is do we do we know that we do learn these things just for the sake of learning them? Do they need to be? Do they need to be learned? In other words, kind of like okay, well, if you can build an atomic bomb, should you? So these are and in terms of rationalism and living in your head as the common uh, uh, in the common parlance, right? Uh, Descartes, who influenced uh, Pascal, is also famous for, and this is the, where that split of mind and body uh, of the phrase. In, it's always you see this. I've seen this on bumper stickers over the years. I'm sure our audience has. I think, therefore, I am. Uh, so, uh, and they all they both uh, suffer from uh, ill health, and uh, so 
I think, uh, you know, he, there was there was conflict in terms of spirituality. His sister, Jacqueline, wanted, uh, this is Pascal now, Jacqueline, she wanted to become a nun, but in a Jansenist convent. So it's, uh, uh, the father didn't want that, and he would, he forbade it. Uh, until he and then he died, and uh, so she went into that convent. And he ended up taking Pascal ended up taking spiritual direction from her. So he's you know he's, he's very very influenced by uh, uh, Jansenism. You know, so it's uh, this is this is a lot of the background. And so then, okay, well, it's a real rationalist way of saying, okay, well, should we believe in God? Well. He also talks a lot. He's very influenced by Augustine in terms right. of free will. So we're going to get to the formula. But one of the people I thought about who's gone to his, well, gone to eternity. We're not sure, we don't know. Well, we don't know where anybody is, but we, but we have our beliefs. But uh, the atheist I've mentioned before, actually not that long ago, uh, Christopher Hitchens. And you know, in terms of, okay, Pascal saying this is, we should believe in God, because what's the downside of not believing? But I always remember what Hitchens said, who was a great intellect himself, and he said that he's used the intellect, that if there is a God, this God gave me this mind, I've used this mind, and I haven't found convincing, sufficient evidence to convince me that God exists. So I'm not going to be a phony and this was a big objection to Pascal's wager. I'm not going to be a phony and say, okay, I believe, even though I don't believe. Because in God wouldn't want a hypocrite. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is light stuff, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it goes back to the, those paradoxes. But in, in reading the wager at first, when I went back to my rustic cabin and broke out my uh, phone and finally found service up there in the mountains, it's really a pretty lame proclamation in proclaiming God. When it, to me, it's one foot. You know, it's like sailing around the world, but you got one foot on your boat and one foot on the beach. You know, you're just kind of pushing your boat around around the shoreline. So, like, you're not. You're, he's not all in. You know, but it is provoking. It, it, it's very much spiritually provoking. What I also like about our intellectuals here that you mentioned, Pascal and Augustine. And and as I said earlier, I'm I'm kind of climbing out of working out of the affective domain into the cognitive. I love these men, these great thinkers, because they punctuate their thoughts usually with Christ. And I'm not seeing a whole lot of Christ here from the from the Jansenists here. And I know one of the major critics uh, from the Catholic Church on the Jansens Jansenists is that uh, they don't believe that Christ spilled his blood and uh, was nailed to the cross for all men, which I, I, I'm not too sure what all that means, but Christ is not, not so prominent forward by any means in what Pascal's talking about. And a lot of the, those that have studied Pascal have gone to 1 Corinthians and Paul. I don't know if you saw any of that. I did. Quite a, quite a bit of studies of the two different minds. And I, I don't know how Pascal was not affected by Paul in 1 Corinthians, but I don't have it in front of you. But Paul is saying that we Catholic Christians, more so, more deeply and profoundly, need to understand that we're living a life that's founded upon Christ's resurrection. It's more so devastating 
and pitiful, as he said, if we're living a life founded upon the resurrection and we find out that he was not resurrected, you know, which coming from Paul is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is, is unheard of, and, and I'm paraphrasing. So no, no, but that's that. you got you yeah. paraphrased it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, we have to paraphrase, right? We have to. There's no point that. in believing if he didn't rise from the dead. Exactly, and that's in that's in one Corinthians 15, I think it's 17 through 19. So they're taking that as another level, comparing that to Pascal's feelings, and to me, Paul is kind of muscling Pascal out of the picture with that that context. But then again, like it's 1640, and he. Pascal's a Catholic. Why isn't any of Paul, the Bible, in his thoughts here, in his theology? But what I wanted to say is, and I'm going to turn it back over to you, is I love when these, those that worked out, work out of the cognitive domain, like you do, my brother in Christ, first and foremost. But I love how they circle back to the affective. Now we go, now I get it. Now I love their, you know, their intellectualism. I love their intellect. Whereas some don't circle back. And it becomes, you know, just uh, self-absorption, which is what's going on in our world. But anyway. Yeah, you know, and we don't want to be totally in either, you know, like the affective or the cognitive. Uh, so we want to strike that balance. And uh, if, like, if my emphasis is cognitive to go intentionally more into the affective to the heart and whatnot, and you, as you said, just the opposite— uh, I mean, Pascal is so interesting, and you said the paradox. I mean, the devout Roman Catholic believed uh, the uh, no no salvation outside the uh, Catholic Church, yet did so as a Jansenist. And he, it's interesting. Another paradox. On one hand, he has written that you can't you can't have salvation by by reason. Uh, he, exactly. Uh, right. But yeah. on the other hand, he's given us this formula. This yeah. is this is not a affective formula. This is a cognitive, a rational formula to say, okay. But but then there is okay. Was there is his faith? But you know, it's, does he mean faith in that? You know, the Greek word uh, we talked about, pistis, which means trust. Right. Okay, right. well, you know. But if, if you take a helicopter back from a, from a little bit, say, all right, so boots on the ground, you're saying, all right, this is this is all this is all intellectual. You know, this is this is you know reason, rationability, and all that stuff. But if you back that, and if you get the helicopter back up a little bit, the whole thing really is affective. You know, there really is the soul of Blaise Pascal that's doing the talking, and he's talking as a soul. But he's think he's a thinking soul at the moment. But he truly is God's child. But I I, I want to share, and and he's showing us that by the sheer nature that he's jumped in there. You know what I'm saying, Tom? He's jumped into the pot and he's tasting it and stirring it around and he's and he's taking his will and he's taking this this charism of his intellectual abilities and he's messing with it. And I think that does make God smile. You know? But yeah, but this it, is a paradox. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear it. So he's but he's and this is this is where we get into some Augustinian uh, I, I don't think he borders on, I don't think he borders on heresy, Tom. I don't think he borders uh, on anything dangerous. I don't think he's, as our good friend Pete likes to say, I don't think he's dancing on the head of a pin. Well, I just wish I just wish he would dig in more deeply and bring Christ to us. But now we circle back to the Jansen, the Jansenists. Yeah, well, I mean, there is a, a bit heretical with uh, with the Jansenism, yeah. uh, but he also, uh, you know, believes in uh, 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 predestination. Although he's wrestling. He's wrestling with that. Things that he's got this formulaic mind, and the formula is not not making sense to him. To say, well, okay, uh, God predestines some human beings for salvation, and He saves them. But if He saves them, then where's the free will? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so, is that free will? I agree with you. I do sense his hunger in here, and that's that's important to me. It's important to you. It's important to anyone that truly loves Christ. You know, we want our brothers and sisters to all be hungry for Christ. I do sense a hunger in here. I do. And amidst that amazing brain, I do sense that truly deep, from the dirt, spiritual hunger. And uh, But here, here's a paradox I want to share with you. And I think this is pretty much a launch pad for where he's coming from with his thinking. And I think if you could just give up what I'm about to share with you and got on his knees and, you know, went to Paul a little more deeply, went to the resurrection, there might not be a wager. But th this line, you know, makes me, makes me giggle. If there is a God, he is infinitely incomprehensible since having neither parts nor limits, he has no affinity to us. We are then incapable of knowing either what he is or if he is. <laughs> that's where he's coming from the whole time. Yeah, but it, the, right, and that's. It, would you think that's? Do you think differently than him? I mean, you 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 could say you know there's a God, but uh, you know, okay, well, what's your proof? So you'd have to say, well, no, I believe. You know, it's an act of faith, which is what which is what our religion is about. It's an act of faith. We're we're assent to this this proposition. Okay, the proposition is that we there is a God. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what he's saying where he is but what i'm circling back to is the big the big but but is but there is christ and christ brings us to know who he is what he is and w what god is about if you believe if you believe that christ is god yeah but that's that's that, that was my point i was just trying to show evidence that that's where he stops and then comes the wager after that statement, the wager is founded upon that line. If there is a God, he is infinitely incomprehensible. Since having neither parts or limits, he has no affinity to us. We are then incapable of knowing either what he is or if he is. That end, end of story. And then from there, he produces the wager without Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, end of story. So he, I mean, his, he's, his whole wager is based on the fact, well, on his belief yeah. that we ought to believe in God. Rather yes. than that God exists, it's that, okay, well, we, we, we can't prove exactly. it. We ought to believe and say, okay, well, that's, um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously we're talking about him centuries later. And you know, yeah, I mean, I, it's really we're talking about pragmatism, right? He's just being pragmatic. Yeah, but only keep in mind though his his uh, his belief. It's almost it's a Calvinist in a way, a Calvinist belief, exactly. predestination. So, if you think you have agency, in other words, you have this free will and you've made this decision, whatever the decision is, you've made this. In this case, we're talking making the decision to believe in God. Well. Is that because you are one of the elect by God that he's going to give you the grace to believe in him? I can never understand That's a good point. how anybody can believe in the, how, could, how anybody could follow Calvinism just from that alone. Yeah, Calvinism's in there. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's the whole thing about predestination is that, okay, that's, you're the elect. Yeah. And, and that's Jansenism too. Yeah. He, so he, he why would you? Died on the cross for life, yeah. If you think you have free will, well, you only think that because God elected you to have that free will, and it's a grace for Him. But 
he didn't give it to me. He gave it to you, Dan, but he didn't give it to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so you're the elect. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I could see that in real life anyway. But, you know, that you, I mean, I have no doubt. And I. <laughs> Where are you going, brother? <laughs> I, I, really, <laughs> I, keep, I, you know, we talk so much about taking people off the off the canvas, you know, putting, making them three D. Yeah. I'd like to do the opposite with you. <laughs> I'd like to paint you with wings and a halo because sometimes that's how I see you. Right? <laughs> are you drinking chips? <laughs> I just. I'll tell you what. You take the pencil out. You do your best rendition of that. <laughs> take a picture and send it to me. We'll make it our, our logo for the radio show. <laughs> a I, big I, overweight husky guy with, with wings and a, and a uh, cheeseburger and a beer. You <laughs> see, this is this is where we end up after twenty five minutes of Pascal. <laughs> This is what he drives, him and his theories drive us to. I'm going to have Jameson, and we're going to have cheeseburgers. <laughs> I eat, therefore I'm not hungry. <laughs> uh, uh, you are beautiful, man. I tell you, you bring this out of me. So it's not my fault, it's yours. <laughs> exactly. God elected me to say that. <laughs> All right, so we are done. Like, like an overdone cheeseburger, we're done. If we yeah, gotta yeah. wrap getting, it up. I'm getting hungry. All right, brother, what's coming up next, Danny? Uh, stay tuned, folks, for The Angelus and your prayer intentions with Peter and Jeff. WQPHradio.org. Uh, great, blessed conversations. And to inform us, but to deepen our faith, challenge us. And, uh, you know, it was Dan's all about challenge, you know, his whole life and responding to them. His deep faith and his witness that he gives. Thank you, brother. Support us, not Dan and me, although you're welcome to. Unless you want to. <laughs> yeah, make those checks out. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you, Marianne, Jean, James, Tom, and the rest of the crew. All right, Danny, God bless you, brother. God bless you, Tommy. God bless you all. You are listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. And now a word from author Peter and Jimmy, who is the host of Your Prayer Intentions, taking place every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Whether you're donating money or giving us prayers, without you, we don't go on. And if you do want to help us go on, please consider going to WQPHradio.org. There's a donate button there. You can give once. You can give monthly. And it makes a difference. It keeps all of our shows, and we have a great lineup of shows, keeps us going. And whether you're a fan of uh, your prayer intentions, whether you like Steve's show, Benedict's Hammer Sundays at Midnight, whether you like Brother Matthew and Brother Anthony from From the Housetops, which is on Sundays, 10.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. Whether you're a fan of the Children's Rosary, which we have every day at 5 p.m., seven days a week. Whether you like our local matter show, which is Saturday at 11, or Talk Catholic, which comes right after us at 12.30. Larry's Music Off, Sunday at 11 a.m., 
We have the Shepherd's Pie Saturdays at 1 p.m. Or Dan and Tom with the 13th Apostle, which comes just before us at 1130. Any of those shows and all the stuff you donate, you help these things come out. But what's also at the WQPH website, in addition to podcasts of our shows, is the Prayer Wall. Right on the Prayer Wall, support WQPH and get WQPH 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on WQPHradio.org. Thank you for listening to the 13th Apostle with Dan Duddy and Tom Caffrey. For more information on Dan, visit his website at www.danduddy.com or email dcduddy at gmail.com. Tom's website is faithpilgrims.com or email trcaffrey at faithpilgrims.com. How about you? Will you be the 13th Apostle?